Hello and welcome. My name is Julie Marsh. I'm a partner in the Boys Turner Medical Negligence Team. I deal with a lot of cases involving amputation. Some of these are caused through poor management of diabetes and poor foot care. Some arise through vascular complications or infection. And within our personal injury team, we often see amputation arising from traumatic injuries, sometimes sustained through injuries at work or road traffic accidents. Thanks to advances in medicine and the timing and efficacy of emergency surgery, more people who experience a traumatic injury do not face immediate amputation. Instead, surgery results in salvage of the injured limb, but that does not always result in good function or mobility. Patients who plateau after rehabilitation or who have significant pain issues might then consider elective amputation. Today, I'm talking to Bobby Griffin about his experience as a motorcyclist who was involved in a road traffic accident. Bobby was left with devastating injuries to his lower left leg. And after a period of rehabilitation and many operations, he went on to choose a baloney amputation and subsequently went on to become a Team GB para badminton European and world medalist. Welcome Bobby and thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you, yes, (laughs) no problem at all. Uh, so, Bobby, can you tell us a little bit about what happened to you, your accident and the injuries that you were initially left with following the incident? Uh, so it was June 2008. Lovely summer's day. I took my bike, uh, motorbike to work uh, in the morning so that I could go out after work to, to have a, a bit of a spin, really, to you know enjoy the sort of summer's evening for an hour. As I got home, it was um, very close to home. I was parked a few hundred metres up the road and... Uh, I was sitting in traffic waiting to take my sort of lane down to my garage and um, a young lad came speeding down the bus lane at 70 mile an hour and took me out. So um, I was uh, in hospital in Bath for a couple of days and then transferred over to Bristol. I had uh, injuries all over my body, uh, fractured uh, spine in three places, a couple of ribs uh, and my left leg was a bit of a mess really uh, open fractures from my knee to my ankle and uh, my foot was smashed um, sort of compacted against the bike as the car hit me about 50% of the soft tissue was lost and then loads of fractures throughout my foot uh, and ankle they started I think it was the first of my nine operations over the course of the next 18 months two years to sort of salvage my my leg and, and allow me to to function again Right. And so after surgery or some surgery um, and the degree of initial rehab, I expect, what was kind of the immediate effects of the injury and, and how did your life change coming out of hospital at that point? It was within those first 48 hours that somebody said, look, it's a bit of a mess. Sign a form that says you're going to allow us to, to, to operate on you and try all these procedures to try and save your leg. And of course, I'm, you know, save my leg, save my leg. You know, the thought of amputation at that time was, was ridiculous to me. It just, uh, I was a sportsman um, throughout university in my childhood. Loads of, I broke my arms, my legs all the time, you know, that kind of mm. thing. Uh, and I just assumed that, look, I'll, I'll fight this. I'll get back, you know, do what you need to do and I'll, I'll do my part and uh, I'll be back on my feet in no time. Um, but that was pretty far from the truth. And um, orthopedically, they, they put a pin between my knee and my ankle. Um, they they wired up my foot. I think I had three plates and umpteen wires and 23 different little pins in my foot to, to kind of keep it together. But it was the, um, the soft tissue work. That was the really tricky part. Um, 
the amount of soft tissue that I lost was uh, was quite substantial. And um, they actually gave me just a 10% chance of the procedures they've tried were actually going to work. And fortunately, uh, I, was, I was reasonably young. I was in my 20s. Um, I was fit, uh, healthy, didn't smoke. And that, all of that helped the circulation and all that stuff. So um, I actually became quite a case study, particularly for the plastic surgeon over the next year or two, where the procedures they tried were weren't that were quite new apparently I don't, I don't exactly remember what they did but uh, um, the likelihood of it working was slim and it needed certain circumstances and and um, a lot of good circulation and that kind of thing so what they tried actually worked from a perspective of saving my 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 leg mm-hmm. um, however the uh, I was very active throughout my childhood and through university and, and in my 20s and uh the quality of life, the function I had was really low and limited. And um, very soon I was very depressed, despite the fact that they'd saved my leg. I couldn't really use it. I was on crutches um, for the entire period uh, up until amputation about two years later. Um, and it was things like uh, not being able to just go to the shops to pick up a you know, groceries and come home and use your hands. You know, I was reliant mm-hmm. on on sticks, on crutches, and so everything was in the rucksack and getting around the home and just doing stuff you take for granted, I guess, in terms of life um, was all a bit too much and really hard work and a lot of effort. And then the ongoing operations was uh, quite demoralizing and kept putting me back and it was never enough and I wasn't sort of healing quickly enough and didn't have any the function that I wanted. I didn't want to just hobble around for the rest of no. my life. I wanted to, to do sports. I wanted to climb mountains. I wanted to go running again, you know, all that stuff. Were there quite significant ongoing pain issues around, not just obviously the revised operations, but just generally on a day-to-day basis, were you dealing with a kind of base level of pain all the time? In theory, I should have been able to walk, but I couldn't. And I had to rely on at least one crutch or stick to just hobble around the house to and might have had a hand free to do things with, to carry a cup of tea, but it was a very sort of awkward and, and dangerous, I suppose at times mm. to, to kind of um, just live my life. Um, but yeah, just to wait bare on that foot was, was painful. I had review reports written, like medical reports written about my, um, improvements and what the likely outlook was going to be for the rest of my life and somebody said I had 13% function on my left side compared to my right side Mm -hmm. Uh, and that was purely because I couldn't put all my weight on my on my left foot it was just too painful Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's why I relied on the sticks on the crutches Um, I was in a level of pain so that I couldn't wait there but I was always thinking forwards about it's worth it as long as the operations are going to provide me with something the physio is going to provide me with improvements so I'm going to get better um, mm. but it got to a stage where it wasn't really getting any better and that was that was the problem and you alluded to it there but mental health issues are obviously quite significant when somebody's experienced a traumatic and life-changing injury and um, obviously you weren't making the level of recovery that you had hoped for but was there psychological support available through that process did you have that support or not really um I think I was as much to blame for the fact that I didn't use any that might have been available. Um, I certainly recall, I mean, my, my partner at the time, Lauren, she was NHS. She was a physiotherapist, uh, which helped uh, massively, but um, 
she kept saying to me, you need to go and speak to somebody, you need to see somebody. Um, you need some help with this because I had changed mentally. Uh, mm. I was uh, not just mentally, but physically, I was uh, the lack of ability to move and exercise was making me put on weight, which then was demoralizing and, and changed a few things. But I was grumpy, angry, dismissive. Um, yeah, just I was a, became a bit of a horrible person at times. Um, and I think there was a couple of times where people, my mum, Lauren um, or others might have suggested I need to see somebody. But nobody said, here is somebody, there's their number, mm. or, or somebody's going to call you to have a chat. It, was, it wasn't that sort of easy and obvious. It was kind of a, would you like to see somebody? But I was a bit too proud and very stubborn and a man <laughs> who just mm. says, I don't need help. You know, not in that respect. I just want to be fixed physically yeah. and I'll be fine again. Um, and I kind of wish I had. And if I had spoken to somebody professional in that sort of line of work maybe things have been different or things might have helped I don't know um but but both mentally and physically at the time there was such a lack of support compared to once I became an amputee and that was the amazing thing because the minute I became an amputee the hour the week whatever it was my life was so much better because not just because I was fairly quickly learned to weight bear and I could then have my independence and all of that again but because I was um, a member of a group a society a common thing lots of people it's quite an easy quite an easy thing to say okay you're a baloney left leg amputee these are things that are going to help you or these are the people that can help you and it's all on hand it's all written down mm. prior to that I was on crutches and because I was still young and fit healthy looking um walking down the street people that just assume oh he's broken his leg playing football he'll be back to himself yeah. in a few weeks a couple of months or whatever and so and because I was optimistic and positive in the main um I think it was hard to see that I was really struggling mentally so when did you start to think about amputation at, at what point during your kind of recovery and rehab did, did that start to become a more realistic option for you for probably a year maybe 18 months the thought of amputation didn't even cross my mind not once I was kind of so obsessed almost with getting better through all these the choices we've taken the road we were going down and it was actually one of the um, medical reports that were written for I think it was my solicitors through my case manager to eventually settle the personal injury claim that was due to be settled whenever it was going to be settled, had to get all these independent medical reports written. So I sent to mm. um, a plastic surgery clinic or something in London and um, the surgeon wrote the report saying the 13% use of that leg compared to this one and also sort of recommended that at some stage, Bobby might be better off amputating the leg in the future. And so I kind of took that report to heart and started to think about it, thinking, well, look, I'm, it's worth exploring because I'm not happy and I'm sort of losing control at work a little bit and, and getting into arguments. I was upsetting my partner, Lauren. I was just not a nice person anymore. And I thought, well, something needs to change. And um, at, around the same time, I was still in a NHS um, physio session on a Thursday morning uh, back in Bath at my local hospital and uh, I'd been there for months six months nine months and um, 
I remember clearly an exercise that I was trying to do for months, which was um, sort of hop up onto the big balance dome ball thing, catch the beanbag that the physio sort of tossed to you, throw it back and come off the other side and then back up, back down, you know, left and right. Uh, I couldn't do this thing. You know, I was awful. Just, I was a mess. And in what's this um, amputee who'd been an amputee for six weeks, perhaps. And he was up, down, up, down, up, down, like his first session. And I couldn't believe it. And I thought, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do that in years. And yet you've mm. just walked in as an amputee with a similar kind of problem to me, you know, below me, one leg. I thought, if he can do that, what else is he going to be able to do in weeks to come? And that I'm potentially never going to be able to do. So, yeah, it was it was around then, about 18 months in, that I really started to, to look at that as a viable option. What were your immediate thoughts post-op after that amputation procedure? Did you have any immediate regrets or were you just really focused and driven on, I've got to get back to rehab, back on a prosthetic and I'm going to no. mimic that guy in the gym? Yeah, no, it was just totally the latter. Um, 100%, that, that's kind of, I think, just the person I am really anyway. Um, between that 18 months and I amputated uh, almost I think it was two years and one month after my accident. So July 2010 uh, was my amputation. In that period, um, I had to fight my surgeons, the same two surgeons, um, to have the amputation. And they didn't want me to have it because I'd come so far. And I was this case study for the plastic side. And mm. the orthopedic side said, well, there's no real reason why it shouldn't. this shouldn't work orthopedically. It's, it's as good as it's going to get. And you should be able to function and whatever but I kept breaking pieces of metal in my foot and physio was too hard and it was still too painful and I couldn't get off the crutches and so I came up with a sort of pros and cons list of if I carry on as I am and go down the sort of orthotics route how much is that going to help and what can I achieve versus if I have an amputation what what are the problems but also what could I achieve that side and gave them all scores and marks out of 10 and came up with some numbers and took that back to my surgeons and said, look, I'm thinking seriously about this. I've done all this work to say, I want this. Um, and uh, I grew up in Devon and I'd heard of a uh, Royal Marine who lost his leg falling down a thousand foot drop in Nepal in the mountains, shattered his leg, uh, left below the amputation just like mine or potentially like mine at the time, uh, got back to being a Royal Marine. And he was the first and I think only person that's, completed the um what do you call it the basic training mm -hmm. but, but basic training for a raw marine is you know pretty pretty good <laughs> pretty, pretty hardcore going. yeah yeah and to do it as an amputee that i mean that was that was well i just thought i fell in love with this guy i thought this is amazing what you know i've got to meet him i've got to like have a chat hear his story firsthand because he'd written a diary and it's called a it was it's jim bonnie his name is it's jim bonnie's diary um it's quite a famous thing now and uh, it talked all about his life from the point of accident through amputation to getting back to being a Royal Marine. And um, he was from Devon, uh, where I grew up. So I found his contact numbers, phoned him up and said, I'm thinking about amputation. I'm, I'm active. I'm ambitious. I'm sporty. I want what you did. And uh, I want to hear all about it. I want to see it firsthand. And uh, went to his house in North Devon in the hills and um, had breakfast outside. It was a nice summer's day. And he showed me what he could do. And I just, that was it. I was I was sold, completely sold. For me, it was that. It was I didn't want to suddenly be disabled and then be treated differently. I wanted my old life back, everything I'd lost. I used to run half marathons. I was a part of a mountain climbing team. I used to go away a lot. Um, used to surf a bit, played a lot of sport. Uh, I was a good badminton player, played for the county. 
yeah, I just, I wanted all of that back. And mm. there wasn't anything to say that being an amputee, I couldn't do those things. I just thought, you know, that's, that's fine. I can do that. I can do all of those things again as an amputee. So yeah, let's go. And a, a, a lot of that confidence came from the planning. I spent three months prior to the amputation. I actually met with uh, Pace Rehab, who are still my um, prosthetics providers. They build my legs and uh, help out with any problems. But I went to see them uh, and even um, had them write reports back to the surgeon. I wanted the same plastic surgeon that I'd used throughout those two years. Yeah, I went into Pace and their doctor, medical expert, wrote reports saying this is exactly how long Bobby's stump should be to fit the types of kit that he's going to want to wear underneath his leg, as in the foot and the functionality. Um, but effectively, you want as long a stump as possible because it's the longer lever, which means you have to work less hard and you can achieve more. But if you go too long, you can't fit in certain kits. So I've got suspension on the bottom of mine and all this mm. stuff. So there's an optimal length. And did you have input with PACE in terms of physio or any other kind of prep before the amputation procedure? Or was it just advice about how it should be carried out and the type of kit that you might like to use once you were an amputee? Uh, Yeah, I can't remember if I met their physio um, before my amputation. I certainly spent a lot of time with uh, her. Her name was Nikki straight after or when I I think I had a couple of weeks in hospital before I then went to PACE to... um, to start work on certain things that I could do. You can't just put a leg on a weight bear on, on all of those, you know, those very severely new fresh wounds and stuff. It's all different things you have to do first. But um, I think just uh, partly because I was so optimistic and, and sporty and a bit of a geek when it comes to this stuff, um, I understood, I did, uh, I used to be a, a personal trainer back at university and I understood what's going to help me. So, you know, mm. atrophy through my quads and glutes and things over, over the two years that I've been sort of not weight bearing thoroughly, uh, properly. So I understood that I had to build all of that up to then start using again. So I already, yeah, I already kind of was ahead of the game there. And I think that was just me personally and my partner Lauren was a physiotherapist. So she, you mm. know, gave me quite a few things to, to work on. And did you find that it helped having that private prosthetic and physio on hand whenever you needed it with those big chunks of input because that's clearly different to what kind of the NHS offering would have been oh that, that's I mean that's the biggest biggest thing for me my case manager was fantastic and she knew pace um, and they were sort of known for helping the younger more active crowd I suppose mm. um, and that for me was was everything um so the types of kit they were used to, to building and using and, and and not just that. I mean, I trashed so many prosthetic legs mm-hmm. in the first two years, broke loads, um, just pushing the boundaries of certain things. And badminton is not a big sport, certainly not. There's not that many amputee badminton players. So it's quite new for the industry to see me breaking loads and loads and loads of these carbon fiber feet, you know, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I can I, I wouldn't be here actually doing the things I'm doing and, and have done the things I've done if it wasn't for pace over the course of the next 12 months of amputation, I spent, I think I had eight trips up there where I'd spend a fortnight in a hotel just up the road from pace. So that when a, when the resin had set on a carbon fiber new socket and the things had to be reattached to the leg I was wearing, I could, I was five minutes away to go down there, mm-hmm. put it on, test it. It's not working. The alignment's not right. Fix that, change this. Okay. Back to the hotel for a few hours or overnight or, 
I could go in and have um, intensive rehab with Nikki and with Jamie, my prosthetist and other people there, um, do what I could. And it wasn't just walking around a clinic room, you know, we were outside, we were doing stuff, we were in the pool, we were, you know, eventually we were on running tracks and we were on badminton courts and we were testing out kit, you know, you can't get that on the NHS. Some people that I speak to have real concerns about bringing a claim, whether it's a personal injury claim or a medical negligence claim. But how has having access to that compensation made things easier for you, not just with the prosthetic provision, but generally, is that, do you feel that's helped you get back to a degree of life, you know, degree of independence, get back as far as possible to where you were pre-injury? I can understand that it's a huge debate and a huge um, risk for, for many people. I mean, if I'd have been given the amount of money that my claim was settled and it was literally put in my bank account, uh, if I was 18 and a bit more foolish and silly or whatever, then I could have, forgive my language, pissed up the wall quite quickly, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it, it depends on the people and the person and who they've got around, their support, family, and whatever it might be to make the right decisions. With the money and the fact that I could pay off the mortgage and invest some money to sit there to pay for my prosthetic limbs and, and cater for the rest of my life, I could use that money now to make changes to kind of have a better life. I kind of feel like it's not like I've earned it, but it's kind of a reward for the fact that, yes, this life-changing event happened and it wasn't my fault. So if I can make use it to make my life better and be positive and do things with it, yeah, of course, anybody would would do the same so for me it kind of took away a lot of worry that I was I was in a bit of debt student loans you know credit cards all of that in my 20s I could sort that out and start again and as long as I was sensible I could um, change things for the better and enjoy my life and try and be positive and, and you know now I'm now I've got a dream job I mean I'm, I'm working as hard as I ever did back then but I I'm uh I committed myself to playing Paralympic badminton and get to the Paralympic Games. And um, whilst that all evolved, and now I'm over 40 years old, and I'm now working for Team GB Paralympics in badminton as an operations guy. I'm coaching um, on on a badminton court. I'm writing. I'm commentating for the sport. I'm travelling the world. Life's good, and and I and I probably couldn't have done it with without that sort of that money. Although that money's there for I suppose, I suppose it's just for life, I guess. It's sort of owed to mm-hmm. me to, to make my life better again. Uh, and I kind of feel like I'm doing that to the best of my abilities. Uh, it might not always be just for wheelchairs and, and, and prosthetic legs. And I'd rather, I'd rather bust a gut and do some landscape gardening myself than what was in my personal injury claim, which says, well, we can't do that anymore. You know, he's disabled, so you'll, you'll need to pay somebody to do it. No, I can do that. And then I can have a couple of days where I can enjoy that money that I would have spent. You know, that's my choice right now. But when I'm 70 years old, it might be a bit different, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it was great that you had the kind of MDT around you, that multidisciplinary team that could give you advice, that physio support, that prosthetic support, OT support, um, and ultimately the legal support um, in order to get the claim over the line to give you access to those funds which you know you've been able to use in such a positive way yeah well, i mean we had a we had a big battle um between what the other side i always used to call them the other side what they believed the claim was sort of worth to what we mm. achieved um 
but yeah absolutely and and through my solicitors at the time they were i think part of some big financial organization who uh, have actually taken some of the money and invested it in, in shares and stocks and things and, and as a sort of funds that they manage to do that mm. that helps cater for for later in life so i think all of that stuff's important i mean i've got to think forward i couldn't just that's it give up my career give up my job now i've got some money in the bank well you could quite quickly spend all of that money and, and mm. then you'll be left when you're potentially struggling mobility wise again when i'm older more so than i would have been um because of the leg i'll need some support i'll need some mm. some backing uh, uh, you know a pension so to speak uh, to make sure I'm, and my family are, are okay then. So, yeah, to have that and to have the prosthetics help. And uh, like you said, the physio for me was, was one of the biggest things. Um, and, yeah, lots of things like workplace reviews and all of that was organised. And it was, uh, yeah, it really helped, kind of helped me make decisions as to what's going to be best for my life. So. Great. Well, it's been really great to talk to you today. And thank you for sharing your story and your insights And we wish you all the best for the future. You're very welcome. Thanks, Julie. If you or anyone you know has experienced a traumatic injury, a life-changing or devastating injury as a result of medical negligence or personal injury, then please don't hesitate to contact the team at Boys Turner so that we can talk to you about what your options are and what compensation might be available to you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more from the team at Boys Turner, please subscribe or follow our podcasts. Goodbye.